0: Good morning. I'm John, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for August 26th. How do you properly say goodbye in the wrestling world? On August 26, 1999, ECW taped what would become their second ever episode of ECW on TNN, which would air a week later on September 3rd. The worst kept secret in the industry was that this would be the last appearance of the Dudley Boys as they were headed to the WWF. So how would they say goodbye? If you're listening to this, then chances are you love wrestling. And if you care to continue the conversation with me, John, and other listeners of this show, then I invite you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. Just search for Daily Wrestling News Show, or go to Facebook.com/groups/Wrestling News Show and click Join. We cannot wait to meet you there. The group is brand new, so if you're one of the first to join, don't be afraid to say hi. Now, on with the show. The show opened, if you can believe it, with Taz defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Yoshihiro Tajiri. The match it didn't go long, but if you remember these two competitors from that era, whoo, was its physical. Taz got Tajiri to tap to the Taz mission, and Elks Lodge 878 was already rocking on what would be a special night. It would later be released on DVD as the last show at the Madhouse. Joey Styles would take center ring for his customary welcome to the fans. This was a special venue for the always excitable ECW fans. The tiny Elks Lodge in Queens, New York, was the wrestling equivalent of the perfect comedy room. Stand-up comics often say that while their specials are taped in big open theaters, their favorite spaces to perfect their craft are tiny, dank, hole-in-the-wall rooms with low ceilings. The Madhouse of Extreme, as it would be known, was the wrestling version of this for ECW. It was their home away from home, a relatively tiny room on the sixth floor of a Queens, New York building, with such cramped access that most of the ring had to be moved up the fire escapes and through a window. A room with an occupancy limit of 750 that ECW would regularly pack with more than a thousand fired up souls. After the fancy new graphic laden cable TV intro, Joel Gertner joins Joey in the ring to pop the New York crowd with his unique brand of poetry. Then the two uneasy partners bring out Jerry Lynn, hot off another four-plus star performance against Rob Van Dam at Hardcore Heaven. Jerry Lynn wants to treat the fans to another go-round with Mr. Monday Night. The fans are fully on board, but Bill Alfonso comes out to tell Jerry that there's no way he's getting another title shot. Jerry attacks Fonzie, RVD runs down for the save, and Atlas security floods the ring as we go to break. The Dudleys are out next. They have a tag title shot tonight against Balls Mahoney and Lil Spike Dudley. It's time for Bubba and Devon to do the right thing, put the champs over, and their way out the door. As mentioned earlier, the explosion of high-speed internet and online wrestling dirt sheets and message boards made sure everyone knew that this was Bubba and Devon's swan song ECW, so there's no way they're going to win. They didn't even get their normal 15-minute intro featuring Gertner's prose, Sign Guy's ingenuity, and Bubba and Devon insulting the local crowd for the express purpose of seeing if they could coax a drunken fan over the guardrail and incite a riot. You know, the usual stuff. This was another relatively quick match by championship standards. After about five minutes of abject violence, Lil' Spike was wearing the crimson mask, and in a heap at ringside, as his estranged brothers put Mahoney through a thumbtack-filled table in the center of the ring. Spike would recover just in time to make the diving breakup of the ensuing pin cover, but just seconds later, little Spike would suffer the Dudley death drop and be covered for the 1-2-3 to relinquish the tag titles to Bubba and Devon for their historic 8th reign. Styles and Gertner were apoplectic at the announced position, speculating about the irreversible damage that would be done if Bubba and d showed up on opposition television with the ECW Tag Team Championships and laid them at the feet of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, as they had been threatening since word of their departure first broke. After a whole bunch of advertising, we go back to the ring where the Dudleys have come back out. This episode was kind of a mess because you can tell the Dudleys have left the ring, the rest of the night's action had taken place, and they've returned without their gimmick glasses on, no wrist tape. This has a real feel. This is their goodbye. In ECW, Bubba would start, men become heroes. For a split second, you feel this is from the heart. This is Mark LaMonaco talking, not Bubba. This is the man who actually discovered this building and booked it for ECW for the first time some years ago. He's been known to say that if you gave him his choice of dream match, this is the venue he would personally choose the crowd is in the palm of his hand but you're quickly relieved of that thought of any realness when he continues but in the world wrestling federation heroes become legends and legends become gods and if god was a heel he'd be the dudley boys nope this was bubba talking and the crowd turns on a dime showering the dudleys with the na 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 hey, hey, goodbye chant. Bubba says he plans to take the belts to the true city of hardcore wrestling, Stamford, Connecticut. But they have one thing left to do, destroy this company by sucking out its very soul. They call out the man who is ECW, Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer makes his way out as Paul Lee and Francine try their best to restrain him. Tommy had been out of the ring recently with two herniated discs in his back so no good could come from him confronting the Dudleys. Bubba reiterates that he plans to lay the title at Vince's feet on national TV, and if that wasn't enough to make Tommy see red, Bubba starts in on his girlfriend Beulah, the woman the Dudleys paralyzed, in storyline at least, and sent out of the wrestling business for good. That did it. Tommy slides in, gets in some quick offense, And for some reason, the bell rings. We have an impromptu tag title handicap match, it appears. Francine brings a ladder to the ring for Tommy. Limping with every step, Tommy has the upper hand for a short while as he swings the ladder around. But it doesn't last. The next few minutes are enough to make you cringe. After whipping Tommy with one of the tag belts, Bubba calls for 3D, and this is about to mercifully be over but Tommy somehow reverses Devon lift into a DDT for a few seconds of respite as Bubba looks at his fallen partner for a second, not yet reacting. The crowd begins to swell, and before you have a second to wonder why, a figure in a black jacket slides in. As he hits the even-flow DDT on Bubba, there's no doubt. Raven is in the madhouse. He flips Bubba over, and Jim Molyneux counts the 1-2-3. New champs! and the madhouse comes unglued As Tommy struggles to his feet and turns to face the man who came to his rescue, the look on his face in today's age would immediately become a meme. Tommy Dreamer would be less connected to the letters ECW than he would be the letters WTF. The arc of Tommy's entire career was that he could never beat Raven, and he could never win a world title of any kind. And in the moment that he becomes world tag team champion, He's looking across the ring at the man he hates more than any other on the face of the earth. These two men have done horrific things to one another, and now they share a championship after Raven's surprise return from WCW. Tommy moves towards Raven, looking for answers. But always a master of the mind games, Raven rolls out, hops the guardrail to celebrate with the rabid faithful in Queens. Now that's how you do a goodbye and a welcome back. Welcome back, Raven. And fond farewell to the Dudleys and the Madhouse of Extreme. This has been the Daily Wrestling News Show for August 26th, 2022. We'll see you next week.